0: This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living.
1: Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. Well, January 2022 is almost under our belts and I'm curious about how your New Year's resolutions are going. So every year I make plans to be a better version of myself, but what does that mean? So for me, it's all of the above, mentally, physically, spiritually, but I work on that every year. So should I not be the best version of myself yet? Well, the truth is we are all changing all the time. Our beliefs, our wishes, our goals are constantly evolving, which is what makes this journey exciting. So one thing that always stays consistent for me is how I try to elevate my health every year. So as I get older, my needs change because my body is changing, and in turn, my mind is changing. So my plan this year is to run more. Because of this New Year's resolution, I thought I would get advice and information from the founder of The Running Room, John Stanton himself. So thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Good morning, Dr. Claudia. Great to be with you.
1: Well, running, it's an important part of your life. So what advice can you give someone like me who is looking to improve and increase my
0: running game? Well, you know, your New Year's resolutions are about getting better. And running is, in itself, uh, for runners who've run for a number of years or those that are just beginning, it's about how to become better. And, you know, the two things that I think people need to think of in a training program, whether you're the veteran or whether you're brand new to the sport and just taking it up, is one, be gentle. Be gentle enough that you don't injure yourself. Uh, The other thing is be patient. Uh, because you want to approach your your training programs intelligently, so that you don't get injured and you stay pro- pro- progressively getting better. And the final thing is add about 10% per week to your uh, training in either intensity or in duration. In other words, the amount of time you're out there, or the how fast you're trying to to run, or or in some cases even walk. You know, Make sure that you increase that by no more than about 10%. Listen to your body and then think of those of you that have been running for a number of years and maybe saying, how do I elevate myself to that extra level? You need to look at three phases of training. And it's like building a house. Building a house, the foundation of your house uh, and the foundation of a training program is is your strength strength training, the, the long endurance training that you do out there. The next phase of the house, which is the walls of the house, are things like speed training and and uh, uh, working on hill repeats and what have you. That builds up the strength of your, your program. And finally, speed is that fine-tuning that we do near the end. But you need to do it in that order. You need to do your base training, your strength training, followed by your speed training. And if you do that, you'll stay highly motivated to see yourself getting see enjoying improvements in your your training and see the benefits of what training does for your lifestyle and you'll be consistent. Consistency is so key. So to stay consistent, don't get injured. Keep yourself highly motivated. Those things will make you a better runner.
1: I love that. That That's such great advice. And you said something that kind of stood out in my mind you, earlier. You said something about patience. So some days I have great runs, and I feel like <laughs> I can run forever. And then there are days where I struggle. And is this common?
0: Oh, well, it's very common. You know, after uh, over 40 years of running, I can tell you there's still <laughs> days I go out there. And, uh, uh, you know, the first, I, I call it the 10-minute test. You have to give yourself 10 minutes because often the first 10 minutes of our run, we do feel punky and we don't feel like like running and we lack the uh-huh. motivation and everything seems to be more strenuous than, than it truly is. But after we run for 10 minutes and warm ourselves up and get our cardiovascular system warmed up and get our, our mind awake, uh, then all of a sudden we start to enjoy the run. So I, I tell folks that what I do is I give myself 10 minutes if, if I feel funky when I wake up and say I don't feel like running today, I'll go for my run and I give myself permission to turn around at ten minutes and come back home. The beauty of that is you get at least twenty minutes of exercise in. <laughs> so at the bare minimum. Uh the other thing I found is that you know you don't even notice the ten minutes. So the next thing you know you're doing your regular run and you're enjoying it and you're enjoying the neighborhood or you're enjoying the scenery or you're, you're running with a friend that, that's helping you divert your thinking to more positive things in life.
1: I like that strategy. And so I feel like that's probably my problem is I'm not You know, I do get beyond the 10 minutes, I do, but it's like I struggle with the idea that every run for me should be epic instead of just focusing on the fact that I made it to go for a run and I got a minimum of 20 minutes exercise in there. Is that kind of the idea that we should be focusing on just the fact that you're out there getting a little bit of a run?
0: Well, that's right. And type A personalities like yourself, it's further faster, but it's better. That's what we think. (laughs) However, it's not the case. What we need to think of is, you know, is this a a long, slow run day? Is this a strength training day where I'm going to go run some hills or I'm going to run some stairs? Or is this a speed workout where I'm going to go over the track and do a couple of laps on the track at a high intensity? Or is this just a day that's what we call a recovery run where I go out and I just run and don't even look at the watch, just say that I'm going to run for... 25 minutes and go for a 25 minute run, which the simplest way to do that is run out for 12 and a half minutes and turn around and run back from 12 and a half minutes. And that way, you know, you're right on the, the mark for your time, but but enjoy the run for what it is and be specific. Specificity of training is always very important because it, it builds up the three phases of our training program. And, you know, the, one of the reasons that uh, our My 10 in one program has been so successful is that we have people, you know, when they start to run, doing one minute of running, one minute of walking, and they gradually build up so they can do 10 minutes of running and one minute of walking. And from there, they can go on and run any distances they want. But for the veteran runner, often we can extend their distance by as much as 50%. In other words, if you could currently, your your maximum distance you could run would be 10 kilometers on a continuous run. If you did a 10 and 1 combination, we'd be able to extend that to 15 kilometers immediately, just because it's a much more intelligent way to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. If you
0: think of the weightlifters, you know, they don't go in and, and lift weights till they're totally fatigued. Runners seem to think that that's okay to do that. <laughs> but what weightlifters do is they do sets and they do, you know, intervals. Uh, track runners do intervals. Swimmers do intervals. Uh, You know, soccer players do wind sprints, baseball players do wind sprints, football players. Every athlete does a series of high intensity followed by low intensity. The only one that doesn't is long distance running. We had it in our head that we have to run to exhaustion. When in fact, if you run that series of stress and rest, stress and rest, you're able to run so much better and, you know, stay off that injury list and stay highly motivated.
1: Uh, that's such that's such great advice, and we often forget as runners that there are so many different types of runs. And if we could just backtrack a little bit, you mentioned your 10-to-1 training. Now, I know what that is because we've talked about it before, but just for listeners, just remind listeners what that is, the 10-to-1 training
0: concept. Well, what that means is that we start, we run uh, at a, a comfortable conversation pace. So this is what you do your long-distance training at and you you go up and you run at a conversational pace for ten minutes. Then you take and you take a one minute break where you briskly walk, not not saunter along or walk like you walk in a mall. This is a brisk walk like you walk like you're late for an appointment type walking. <laughs> you' got to see your doctor and you're, you're late for that appointment, and you're brisk walking. because when we run, we we create stress in our body It creates lactic acid built up in, in the bloodstream. When we give it a rest for one minute and make it active rest, in other words, brisk walking, it helps dissipate that lactic acid out of your bloodstream. Uh, When we take and do a brisk walk compared to jogging or running, it's a longer stride. If you think of yourself, when you brisk walk, you take a longer stride, it's like a stretch. It's a natural extension of the stretch through the range of motion that you're using it. So we get a stretch, we get rid of the lactic acid, we bring our heart rate down, but it still maintains elevated somewhat so that when you go to run again, you're full of energy and you're full of enthusiasm, and your muscles are more viable and resilient, and you're able to go further, longer, and stay off the injuries. So the 10 and one walk-run combinations are magical for many people, it, it allows the average person to do the extraordinary thing of, of running a longer distance, whether it be ten kilometers or maybe up completing the marathon.
1: And this ten to one training concept is good for any fitness ability, any level, and any age, right?
0: Yes, that's so true. You know, Doctor When we, we, we're training the new people, newbies, into to running. We use one minute of running, one minute of walking, we do one and one. And then week two, we do two in ones. And then week three, we do three in ones and gradually build up. So after 10 weeks, they can run 10 minutes and walk for one, run 10, walk for one. They can do two sets of that. So they get sort of that 20 to 25 minutes of exercise uh, by doing combinations of 10 and one. How far they progress from there is entirely up to them. You know, then people can say, okay, I like this running. This has become fun, and I'm enjoying it. I I feel myself trimming up a little bit. I feel more energy. All the benefits we get from exercise, and as runners, we know what they are. You you know, you have more energy. You handle stress better. You sleep better. We even make more intelligent choices in our our, dietary uh, habits because we know that if we have a high-fat diet, and go for a run we won't feel as comfortable as if we had a, that salad and what have you there if you have nachos and cheese just before you run <laughs> you're gonna find that your run isn't quite as enjoyable as if you had a nice sandwich or or a uh, uh salad of some sort and there's that natural transition to healthier eating so i think that, that that's the one of the many many side benefits of running that that we do get is the the lifestyle choices we start to make we We know that sleep is important. We know that hydration is important. We know that our nutrition is important. And it allows us to reflect on all those other things other than just the exercise component to it. And as we start to feel younger, more energetic, more enthusiasm towards life being life more
1: Mm -hmm. well you said the key word when we start to feel younger and that's what this is all about (laughs) and believe me i've been i've had the experience where you had a nice plate of nachos and cheese before a run and let me tell you it does not end well you get crampy and (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's not a good idea and you're right it does Encourage a healthier lifestyle because your life is focused on feeling good. And when you start to feel good, you just want to keep, you know, keep that ball rolling and feel good all the time. So I love the that, ten to one method. So I use it myself. Yeah. So
0: sure.
1: okay. So my biggest challenge, okay, is running outside during the winter months. How can I overcome this obstacle?
0: Well, there's there's two things. There's one, you you have a choice. You can run outdoors. Or you can maybe go on the treadmill and run indoors. Uh, And outdoors is much better because Mm -hmm. you're close to nature. You're touching nature. And nature has a way of making us feel better, even if it's cold. So dress in layers. Your first layer that you wear should be something that's wickable. In other words, it's not cotton. It's not a cotton layer. It's a polypropylene that will get the sweat off your body into a middle layer. The middle layer will be what we call a thermal layer a fleece layer of some sort that will allow your your body to stay warm. The outer layer should be a a jacket of some sort that has reflectivity on it, number one, and number two is is going to keep the elements off of you. The rain, the wind, and and what have you will keep off of you. If you have those three layers on, you're going to discover that as we exercise, we generate a lot of body heat, that if you, you dress with the three layers, you're going to stay warm. Make sure, uh, particularly in Canada, where, where, you know, we have those dark periods that you have a headlamp on when you're out. So not as much as that you can see where you're going, more that the people driving can see you and make sure that you're highly visible. That in reflective gear is, is really important. Uh, these good shoes today, there's what we call Gore-Tex shoes that have Gore-Tex and they're, they're waterproof and they'll keep your feet dry and those slushy winter days when sometimes you can get your feet wet and, and get chilled. There's also waterproof socks you can get, and, and that will, will work. And and then simple things like wear mitts rather than gloves, because mitts are m- much warmer. Your hands will stay warmer in a mitt than they will in a glove, and and that will help. And and then uh, make sure that you do simple things, like when you start your run, take a look at the weather channel and, and just say, hmm, where am I going to go? And if you see the wind blowing out of the northwest, then you head into the northwest, so you run into the wind on your way into your run. And on the return, the wind will be at your back so that you know, you won't chill up and freeze up at later stages of the run. Because sometimes if you start with the wind at your back and you turn, then you realize just how cold it is.
1: Mm, good point. I never even thought of that. I just look at the yeah. wind and think, oh boy, it may not be a good day to run. <laughs> and I hit the treadmill. Well, that's
0: true. Yeah. And the other thing is, in, you know, in, in particularly in Ontario, where we get a lot of thawing and freezing uh, throughout the winter months, uh, you know, you get ice patches or you, you get that polished ice at the, at the stop signs uh, in your neighbourhood. And you want to be careful that you don't slip and fall. Well, there's a number of what we call traction devices and they're They're like the old-style men's slip-on rubber, you know, that they wear on their dress shoes. Mm -hmm. These slip onto the bottom of your shoes, and they're, they're like the studded tires that you have on your car. They allow you to give that more secure grip, and those traction devices are really handy to have. And they're simple. If if it's icy, you can put them on. And if you're in your run and you hit some dry pavements, you can just slip them off and put them in your pocket and continue on your run without them. So uh, they're really handy and they also will keep you from having that that nasty fall on the ice in the wintertime.
1: When we come back, which running shoes are right for you? This is the wellness prescription on 1059 The Region. Stay with us.
0: Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416 335 1059. Tweet us at 1059 the region or email us info at 1059 the region.com the wellness prescription with dr claudia on 1059 the region
1: you're listening to 1059 the region welcome back to the wellness prescription So before the break, John and I were discussing how there are so many products that can assist us on our runs. Um, You know, runningroom.com is a great resource for running information, for running community, Um, you know, from reflective gear to shoes with traction for those winter runs that I'm trying to work on. Uh, It's a great place. So as a chiropractor, I place so much focus on proper running shoes. So as all feet are not the same, all running shoes are not created the same. So John is going to help us navigate the different types of running shoes and how to choose the right ones for you. So John, in your stores, how many brands do you carry?
0: Well, we carry uh, literally hundreds of brands. We carry all the major brands of running shoes. And, you know, when people come in and they look at the shoe wall, they see this <laughs> multitude of <laughs> shoes. And it's kind of overwhelming because they, they kind of look at it and go, wow, uh, you know, where do I start? But what we've done is we've tried to make it as simplistic as possible and giving people some information because there are three categories of runners primarily. There's somebody who pronates. In other Mm -hmm. words, they hit on the heel and their foot rotates and they toe off on their big toe and their foot turns inwards as they're running. That's called pronation. And and somebody who pronates, there's the, the shoe for the pronate. Somebody who supinates, and those people are generally slightly bow-legged often, and uh, they they hit on the heel as well, but they stay on the outside of the shoe and toe off. So that, that person is what we call a supinate. Then there's the person who's blessed and cheers their parents well, and they're what we call a neutral runner, and they need cushioning. They need a lot of cushioning in their shoes. Well, most of us are, are uh, somewhere between neutral and pronate and that's where the bulk of the people uh, fall if you're a supinator you know your uh, supinator uh, goes towards the outside and if you look at the when you come into the running room often we'll say if you're coming in to buy a pair of shoes bring your old shoes in if you've been running and we can look at the wear pattern on them and we can show you that here's what you're doing you see the wear pattern whether it's on the heel or not on the heel it's on the outside of the shoe, it's on the inside of the shoe, Is it, where are you towing off. Those are all indicators for us. We'll also get to do what we call a gait analysis. We'll take a look at you walking and uh, we'll take a look at you jogging in the store, in your, your bare feet. And that way we can see, do you toe out a little bit? Are you straight? Put it on your, your landing. And then we get a shoe that's right for you. I often caution people on buying a shoe that your buddy is wearing. So Mm. often we we have a buddy who inspires us to run, and uh, they're a motivating factor. Uh, Don't necessarily follow in the same (laughs) shoe. You want to follow in their footsteps, but not in the same shoe in their footsteps. So, you know, the, the things about running shoes you want to think of in the simplest way is they're prescriptive. The running shoe should be fitted for you much the same as a pair of eyewear is fitted for you. When you get a pair of eyeglasses, you go to an optometrist and they fit you with the right lens. When you need running shoes, you should come to a store like the Running Room, or a specialty running store where we can fit you with the shoe that's proper for you. And we do the gait analysis, we'll show you why we're, we're suggesting that shoe. And, you know, I've had folks come in and say, gee, I was in the, one of your stores and I was amazed. I was in there and I wanted to buy a $200 pair of running shoes. And the uh, young lady ended up selling me a $149 pair of running shoes. I couldn't believe it <laughs> because she sold her that right shoe that was right for her. Uh, our people aren't on commission. They, they They're paid to do the job of making sure you get fitted in the proper shoe. And people with, you know, a high arch or uh, over-pronating, those are things that we're looking at. Uh, You know, the the person when you're standing and and, uh, you're walking away from me, if I see your bull leg and you've got very high arches and your feet are are told in a little bit as you walk, I pretty much know you're a supinator. If I see your your foot looks like that in the duck it's very flat <laughs> on, on the ground and, and you walk kind of toed out and uh, your knees knock a little bit as you're walking, I'm going, oh boy, there's a pronator for sure. And I, I'm exaggerating those too. But, but that's the sort of things that we're looking for. And the other thing we do is uh, then we, we have people take the shoes and say, you know, if it's a summer day, we say go go around the block and I'm just see how they are. And, and see how they feel. I, you know, I, I often say our job is to fit you with the right shoe that's prescriptive for you. That's going to do the job that you need to provide you the support where you need the support, the cushioning where you need the cushioning. And your job is to make sure that it feels comfortable. I often compare it to when I fit somebody and say, How do you like those? And you say, Well, I'm down to the two. I can't really tell between the two. I'll say to them. Which one feels like when you, that feeling you get when you put a good leather glove on? You know, you slide mm-hmm. that leather glove on, and you say, "Ooh, that feels good." Which shoe feels like that? And I say, "Oh, well, the left one." <laughs> you know, okay, well, and that's the that's the shoe you should go to because if it feels comfortable today, it will feel comfortable after five kilometers. But mm-hmm. if you if, if you have any sore points uh, after five kilometers, they're going to become very sore points. So. Make sure that you get fitted properly. Make sure you're comfortable with the shoe. Make sure the sizing is right. You know, we used to use a tool called the Brannock, and we still have them in the stores for, for measuring people's foot size. But I can tell you that the various shoe companies are all constructed under different, what they call mm-hmm. lasts, or wooden yep. lasts that they use. And, and a size somebody who wears a size 8 is an example. And sometimes in some shoes, wear an eight and a half or a seven and a half or an eight, and, okay. and you'll vary around. So, you need to try on the shoes. You need to see how they feel. You want to give yourself what we call a thumbnail at the front. In other words, when we pinch the front of the toe, there should be a thumbnail gap there so that as you start to exercise, the blood flows to your foot. And as blood flows to your foot, the longer you're out there, the more your foot's going to swell a little bit. So you want to make sure you can accommodate that. So for most people, if you take a dress shoe where you wear a size 8, you're probably going to be on a running shoe a size eight and a half at least.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. And it's so important to understand, and I say this about a 1,000 times a week, the shoe that you run with, is going to impact your run i've had that experience myself where i've been on vacation or i've been visiting family and i bring the wrong shoes or the the shoes that aren't (laughs) and you know what it really impacts your run and then and then you have sore feet And then in the long term, you can develop things like sore knees and sore backs because your gait is off, which means that it's completely thrown off your natural biomechanics. So it's very important to select the right shoes. And that's why all of your staff members are so highly trained and so great. And yeah, they may not recommend the $200 shoe if the $149 shoe is better for you. That's such a great, great point.
0: Well, we we try to instill the a thought process with our staff that, you know, that person coming in isn't buying one pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. They're coming in to buy one pair of shoes, but if you do it properly, they'll return in the next five years and buy four or five pairs of shoes. So look at that sale as a five-year thing, so not as a one-off sale. So, and, and I, I think that that's important and that You know, we want to make sure that that person runs for five years too, that they're not getting injured.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, It's so important to have them in the proper shoes. You know, there's two things that causes injuries. Ill-prepared people or poor training techniques Mm -hmm. or improper shoes or a stumble and a fall of some sort. Well, those three things can be, you know, controlled to a degree if you approach your training you know with an intelligent approach to it and shoes or get yourself fitted properly Uh, and then the other thing is keep your running shoes for running don't use them for going to the local coffee house or going to get groceries and what have you use your old pair of running shoes that you're no longer running in but your shoes that you're currently running in keep them for running after you run make sure to You know, unlace them and and, uh, set them so they can dry out if they've been wet. And, uh, you know, they'll last much longer. And the performance of them will, will last a whole lot longer as well.
1: Well, John, I feel like I learned so much today and I'm feeling so inspired to get running outside and I may (laughs) even try to do it, uh, you know, even though it's going to probably at some point be like 20, 30 below zero, um, I'm going to give it a try. So I can't thank you enough for joining me. If listeners, I know you've said it, but like if listeners want to learn more about the running room, find out where the locations are, please remind us all where we can find you.
0: Well, the easiest place is go to runningroom.com. There's a whole battery of information there. And if they have a question that they'd like to ask me personally, it's a simple email address. It's john, J-O-H-N, at com, And I'll, I'll be more than pleased to try to answer their questions. Or if it's somebody, if it's a medical question and they need to be hooked up with a uh, medical practitioner in one of the various cities across Canada or a physiotherapist or, you know, a uh, nutritionist or another professional that we, we need to hook them up with, we'd be more than uh, glad to do that and make sure that they get the good advice, get intelligent advice, and that they stay motivated and, more importantly, stay injury-free and become an athlete for a lifelong enjoyment.
1: I love that. Thank you so much. And also, your Twitter account is loaded with great inspiration for daily runs. I I turn to it all the time when I'm feeling like I just can't do it. So that's another great resource. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, John. Um, Everybody can also find me at Claudia underscore Machiela on Instagram or my website, ClaudiaMachiela.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening.
0: The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.